to the Mindful Birding Podcast, bringing you conversations and insights on the health benefits and joy of mindful birding. Brought to you by the Mindful Birding Network and your co-hosts, Holly Merker and Holly Thomas. Hello, everyone. This is Holly Merker, and we're so glad you're tuning in. In this episode of the Mindful Birding Podcast, Holly and I want to take a few minutes to share the concepts that birds are truly heart healthy, both in the way that they fill our hearts with joy and love, but also with cardiac fitness in mind. We'll talk about how birds can help make our hearts stronger, and also the bird with the biggest heart. The poet Julia Travers generously shared some of her writing with us, and she'll read to you a beautiful piece of her work in this episode. The American writer and scholar Joseph Campbell, best known for his work in comparative mythology, once wrote, The goal in life is to make your heartbeat match the beat of the universe, to match your nature with nature. In thinking about this, and Campbell's wisdom regarding the human life experience, but also knowing how we intertwine our own selves within the natural world, Campbell gives us an idea to ponder. How do our own heartbeats match with nature surrounding us? Are our rhythms in sync? I'm really intrigued by the idea we're talking about heart-centered practices and finding our path, choosing maybe which direction we're going in life and how that relates to the world around us and what Joseph Campbell brings up about matching our nature with nature. That really resonates with me, thinking about the choices that we make and how how they resonate within us and how they make us feel. Right. Yeah. Say more about that whole concept of having, having the heart rhythm and to be resonating with the rhythm of nature. People sometimes think about indigenous wisdom of how out of touch the modern world, how much the rhythm of our ways of living is out of touch with nature. Mm. Can you say more about that? What you, what you thought of with his quote? Yeah. So Yeah, I was really thinking, like you said, about the rhythms of nature. I mean, I think a lot of us, especially as those who are witnessing bird life, are thinking about the rhythms of the natural world. And perhaps I am very moved and in tune with bird migration and understanding every day of the year and and how that relates to the bird life around me. Are birds migrating? Are they coming to spend winter here? Are they just moving through? Like, what is their life about? But also even pulling this idea of heartbeats matching, just pulling that back a little bit. So I started thinking about what Joseph Campbell was saying, almost in the literal sense, And I know that there are studies that suggest that uh, music, if we're listening to music, that this can influence the rhythm of our heartbeat and that our, our heart rhythm can match that of some music that we might be listening to. And I think the studies were done looking at classical music in particular. 
And I started to wonder this idea of heartbeats matching with other animals that we might be connecting with. And I did some research and it turns out that there are studies that suggest that both in equine and canine animal life, and so uh, horses and dogs, there have been some studies that show that the rhythm of a heartbeat with an animal, like say a horse, can match up or become in sync with their human companions. And I find that really interesting, um, especially because I'm I'm actually reading a book right now called The Super Communicators. And this book was recently published and just is coming out available. And it's by an author called Charles Duhigg. And in this book, in his prologue, he talks about how when people are making a connection or when they have a connection with other human, there are certain biorhythms that sort of sync up with the other person, which I find really fascinating. And so I question, are our biorhythms syncing up with the birds we might be connecting, the wild birds? right outside our windows and doors. And so again, it circles back to what, the, you know, we were just talking about the quote of Joseph Campbell, do our heartbeats match that of the world around us? Yeah, that's beautiful. I was aware of the some of the studies with equine therapy and uh, dogs in particular, that when we're around them, that both the animals and our blood pressures can lower. So that's one of the reasons that we sometimes feel calmed when we're in the presence of our beloved animals. But that's a really interesting question about might that be something that also happens when we're in the presence of birds? <laughs> because I don't think there are studies, particular studies that actually have looked at that, but that's really intriguing because there are studies, as we've talked about in this podcast before, about the benefits of being in nature and how might that be happening? Is it because we feel this connection to other beings? Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, it really must be. I think there's probably so much we just still don't really understand about connections and how impactful they are, not just on our relationships and how we kind of reflect that in our behavior, but also the biochemical connections that we're forming with other beings, whether that be another human or perhaps it's an animal or maybe even it's plants and trees. You know, there's, of course, I'm uh, really intrigued and interested in this idea of nature and forest therapy and forest medicine and how uh, we interact with our ecosystems around us and how they interact with us on a biochemical level, but perhaps there's more to it than that. And 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 so it's always just this kind of curiosity and wonder. And then thinking like what you said about, are we experiencing some sort of a benefit when we are observing birds? And particularly if we are doing that through the practice of mindful birding, I would say absolutely yes. I feel like birds definitely offer us this heart-healthy activity. 
You know, they get us outside oftentimes, maybe not always if we're watching through a window, but they get our bodies engaged. Um, We're having a sensory experience with listening perhaps or observing with our eyes or perhaps it's just feeling the wind on our skin. But we're, we're interacting with the world in perhaps a different way than we might be if we're behind our computer or looking at our phone or reading a book, right? It's a multidimensional experience. But with that comes almost a deeper connection that we might be able to find. And some studies suggest that, like you said, we can lower our blood pressure by having an experience in nature, but also also promoting cardiac health in general. And I, I truly believe that uh, wild birds offer us this heart-healthy activity and that we should be kind of touting birds as heart-healthy in every sense of the word. They bring us joy. They fill our hearts with love. I mean, I think all of us probably listening to this podcast, all of our listeners, mm-hmm. you and I, Holly, can relate to how much we love birds. And and I and I think that that resonates out into the world. I don't think that gets lost. It, it's it's really fascinating to start thinking about this. <laughs> I'm thinking about the ways in which just the joyful nature of observing birds, that that's got to be great for our hearts too. Mm -hmm. Um, That's sort of hard to quantify. I think about it like from a scientific perspective, when we're experiencing positive emotions, that's actually really, really good for us. It's de-stressing. It has a um, positive impact on, on the nervous system. So for people who have gone through difficult times, I mean, we've talked about this in the podcast before too, just how uplifting it can be to witness birds, to observe them. And whether that's through some blood pressure lowering effect or whether it's through release of neurotransmitters, there can be so many things that are going on and they're not mutually exclusive. I mean, it can be an all of the above we've talked about attention restoration and how just taking a break from the the busyness of our modern worlds, that can be significantly healthy for us to do that. Engaging in mindfulness practices of tuning into our senses, being in the moment, turning off the ruminating voice or the self-critical voice or the judging voice, that has its benefits. And it kind of all comes together with mindful birding because we're doing all of those things. And we're also expressing and growing our appreciation for these other beings that we share the world with. And I think that that can sometimes inspire us to want to be generous with them, to want to give back, to want to take care of our environments or habitats that we might create or creating garden space around our own homes. There are just so many ways that we can be inspired to live in better rhythm and harmony with birds. Mm. Yeah, I love that, Holly. I, that that really makes a lot of sense. And, and what surfaces for me on some of the things you were just saying is I think a lot of us have a lot of strong feelings and emotions about what's going on in our natural world right now. And sometimes it feels tough, like this sense of climate doom or eco-anxiety kind of falls into place. And I really see mindful birding as 
a respite from that. And, and it gets into this heart-centered practice and that we're thinking about something and we're shifting our attention to something that brings us joy and making these connections in the present moment and allowing ourselves to experience those present moment with the birds. I think that really does provide a lot of benefits, not just to our cardiac fitness, but also overall, as you're saying, it's this reset, this restoration that birds and mindful birding brings to us naturally and really can offer us some sort of a a relief or I don't know, I like to say kind of takes the burden off our shoulders so much of all this worry that we carry with us sometimes about anything in our lives, but certainly about um, this this sense of what's going on in our environment. It's just another way in which to give ourselves some tools to ac- access in order to build some resilience around some things in life that can be challenging, right? Yeah, I've had I've had a couple of people just recently express to me that sometimes it's really challenging to feel joy when thinking about all the the challenges, the environmental challenges or you know things going on with habitat and climate. And with a lot of the heart-centered practices that try to cultivate, I tr- I kind of think about it a little bit like when you're cultivating joy and these heart-centered practices, it's not in a sense to deny the the doom and gloom but it's to expand the awareness or the space to hold it all so that even amidst some of these really challenging times we face that we're still able to lean into joy and open our hearts to feeling that too so I think that's really important to remind people that you don't have to feel guilty or bad about feeling joy at times that it's okay to and, and to treat yourself to these self-care self-compassionate practices that open us up to the joy in the midst of some of these really difficult things that people face as well. Mm. Absolutely. Birds are just so incredibly heart healthy. <laughs> and then- yeah. Now we hear from Julia Travers, a writer, artist, teacher, and bird lover in Virginia. Here she shares a heartfelt ode to migrating birds. Maybe these are the gods and goddesses, a yellow and white tawny feathered being, willow warbler, weighs a quarter of an ounce, Twice a year, it carries itself 5,000 miles from the west coast of Africa to central England. Some circle to Russia, are spotted on limb or humble bird feeder filled with black sunflower seeds in Saudi Arabia, while an Arctic tern weighing four ounces moves from pole to pole, 44,000 miles in migration. They at least inhabit multiple worlds, ruffling their wings in the summer dust, mouth-lacing fibers into a woven home and charting celestial paths above us. Compact engines running hot, small lungs, hollow bones and petaled arms, wrapping a planet in channels of color and song. Some fly continuously, perpetual wing work, worn body, the way it feels to land. 
Have you ever been so brave, so abandoned yourself to your purpose, to a journey whose end you could not see, the map in your heart and the scent of the air, the tilt of the sun, the hieroglyphs of the stars? You know you have to go like all of your kind, but also utterly singular, intertwined with, reliant on the elements, and driven by your own internal combustion, somewhere between feeling your way through a dark room and tap dancing on a spotlighted stage, your heart rises in your chest. You, sure but small, mortal but airborne. In thinking about hearts in the animal world, the animal with the largest heart is the blue whale, which is said to be the size of a small car. That makes sense for the size of that magnificent animal. But the animal that has the largest heart relative to its body size is the hummingbird. A neat fact for some of the tiniest birds in many of our neighborhoods. This large-sized heart enables the hummingbird to perform the feat of aerobic demand of hovering. And during that hover, a hummingbird can reach over a thousand beats per minute, up to ten times as fast as a human heart. These dynamic little packages with wings that blur and hum as they move and feathers that shimmer like tiny gemstones always manage to capture our attention. In some cultures, hummingbirds represent a messenger of joy, love, and luck. In some indigenous cultures, hummingbirds are considered healers and symbolize transformation. Some cultures believe that they provide protection. Energetic warriors of the sky, hummingbirds have high-strung personalities and spirits to match. They often own their sky and take on anything else in their airspace. These tiny birds with the big hearts are not only fun to watch, but maybe can even teach us something about ourselves and about the world we live in. The following prompts and mindful birding visualization are adapted from the book Ornotherapy for Your Mind, Body, and Soul. This particular exploration is called Hummingbirds. I invite you to find a space that feels comfortable where you can either gently close your eyes if that feels right or lower them at a soft gaze. Imagine yourself as a hummingbird perched on a branch. Do you sit in the shade to blend in, or do you allow the sun to amplify your feathers like glitter? Allow yourself to take flight. Will you make a quick escape from where you are? Or hover and watch the world around you as you flutter in place? Allow the wind to sail across your body, pushing away your stress. You have freedom. Your fast wings will carry your tiny body anywhere, escaping from the pressures of life. Where do you go? Take a deep breath and slowly exhale. Allow yourself to drift above your world. Leave your stress and anxiety below. Allow new ideas and energy to fill you up while on the wing.
The bird's eye view can bring us new perspectives to our lives if we allow ourselves to momentarily detach and see things as the hummingbird. We all have wings. We just need to allow them to let us soar. Now bringing you some mindful birding nerding. The science segment, where we'll explore the growing body of scientific evidence on the health benefits of birding, time spent in nature, mindfulness, and other related topics. February is American Heart Month, and with Valentine's Day smack dab in the middle, it's common to see red hearts everywhere. With heart health in mind, we decided to focus on how birding and time in nature might contribute to cardiovascular well-being. One of the greatest risks to our cardiovascular health is high blood pressure. According to the American Heart Association, high blood pressure greatly increases one's risk of heart disease and stroke, and can also lead to kidney disease, vision loss, and sexual dysfunction, among other maladies. What can we do to lower blood pressure to a healthy range and reduce the risks of many diseases that are correlated with high blood pressure? In past podcasts, we've mentioned the association between proximity to green space and wellness benefits, and I wanted to dig a little deeper on that topic today. Several longitudinal studies, two in Australia and one in Korea, point to data showing that so-called leafier communities in which people had increased exposure to urban green space and tree canopies had lowered incidence of cardiovascular disease. But like so many studies that show associations, the authors can't really point to a causal relationship, just a correlation. The abundance of scientific studies coming in has inspired more and more physicians to prescribe nature, and I wanted to highlight a recent paper in the journal Lancet, systematically reviewing multiple studies exploring the effect of nature prescriptions on cardiometabolic health. Across many different studies, the researchers found that, quote, compared with control conditions, nature-based interventions resulted in a greater reduction in systolic blood pressure and diastolic blood pressure, unquote. This is significant because this kind of interventional study is much more powerful in showing cause and effect, rather than just pointing to a correlation. And green spaces can be anything from urban landscapes, parks, forests and hills, to farms and gardens. The authors note that many of the studies included multimodal interventions that coupled a physical activity, like walking or gardening, with a relaxation activity like meditation or breathing exercises. Hmm. Coupling time in green space with cultivating a mindful attitude. Sounds a lot like mindful birding to me. Until next time, I'm Holly Thomas, signing off from Mindful Birding Nerding. For our Joy of Birdsong feature this episode, I'll share a bird song that stopped me in my tracks. While I can't name just one thing I love about birds, I can say I love that they sing their hearts out. On a recent mid-February day, 
I took a trip to the Mesilla Valley Bosque State Park. I hadn't been since the start of the new year, and I was curious to see who might be showing up as the seasons turn from winter toward spring. It was mostly quiet in the park, but on my two-mile walk, I heard multiple crystal thrashers singing, marking the beginning of their breeding season. The Nat Geo Field Guide to the Birds of North America describes the song of the crystal thrasher as varied and musical. And the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, Birds of the World, describes the song as consisting of melodious and distinct phrases, variously repeated, given in bouts about a minute long, then resumed after a few or many minutes later. Join me on this New Mexico spring day, air warming and sky bright, as this lovely crystal thrasher begins to sing. Join us for our next episode when podcasters Brian and John from the Nature-Centered Podcast join us and we talk about the many joys and health benefits of bringing wild birds and people together through feeding birds and more. Don't forget to check out our website, themindfulbirdingnetwork.com. Become a member, it's free, and join our growing flock of people interested in mindful birding. Stay up to date on our next gathering, our blog, and mindful birding events from around the world. And you can follow us on Instagram too, at Mindful Birding Network. We look forward to sharing time with you in future podcasts. And until then, we wish you happy mindful birding. <laughs>